What is happening, everybody? We're back again. Another episode, the Off Track Experience. Here with your host, Dean Lucas. Now, excited to bring you guys this episode. This has been one that I've actually been thinking about doing for a while, and it wasn't until a friend of mine, Chloe Parra, who was actually on an earlier episode, she reached out to me and she said she had a friend that had a really cool story that she thought I should share. Now, she explained the story before telling me the name, and at the end of the story, I said, is the person's name Nick Dempsey? And she's like, yeah, how do you know? And I was like, well, we're actually second cousins, believe it or not. So definitely one of those kind of small world scenarios where kind of everyone knows everyone in some weird way. But once she kind of refreshed it in my mind, I thought, okay, I think it's time for this to happen. So I reached out to Nick and Nick was excited to jump on the podcast and chat about what had happened. Now, what had happened was at his 21st birthday party, he had a few drinks and decided to dive into his family pool. Unfortunately, he hit the bottom of the pool, which gave him a C3 and C4 injury to his spinal cord. This resulted in him becoming a quadriplegic. Now, at first, Nick didn't realize the seriousness of the injury until a few weeks later when he was in hospital and realizing that this was kind of going to be his life now. Now, since that moment, all that time, he's gone through a heap of rehab. He has slight use of his hands and can actually like control a wheelchair but definitely has affected his life no end and has now be kind of become a positive light for anyone else that has had similar injuries. He does many talks, he tries to help people, he just tries to be a positive influence and role model to not only people with similar injuries but just kind of be a positive light to anyone that needs it. So I was really excited to go chat with him and just be around that energy of someone that is so positive even after going through something so life-changing. So Really excited to share this with you guys and just get Nick's story out there and what he's doing now and what he has been doing. So really excited to bring that to you. Before we jump into it, we finally have a new sponsor. We've got a new sponsor on the podcast. We're putting more effort in. People are seeing it. We're trying to grow it. We're trying to get it bigger. So really excited to have Athletic Greens jump on board. They're going to be sponsoring the podcast. And if it's a comprehensive solution of supplements that you need in your routine, Athletic Greens is giving away a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. Now, all you need to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash off track. That's athleticgreens.com slash off track and do your first order through there. Once you do that, they're going to give you out some free stuff. You can try it out and see how it feels. I've been using this every morning instead of coffee before I go to the gym and it just makes your body feel good. There's 75 natural ingredients that go into it and it just gets your day going, gets you feeling good and just gets the morning started right. So yeah, win the morning, win your day. Go check it out and have a go. But yeah, enjoy the podcast guys and enjoy Athletic Greens. Cheers. Yeah, you good to go? Good to go. All right, here with Nick Dempsey, and I have to put out that this is actually the first time we've officially met, even though we are second cousins, which is a real small, small world kind of thing. It is. So, mutual friend of ours, Chloe Parra, she sent me a text message saying, hey, I've got a friend, I think you should do a podcast with him, he's got a cool story, and then she explained the story without saying the name, and I replied, is it Nick Dempsey? And she was like, how do you know? I'm like, we're second cousins, and it was kind of like a very small world moment, but very happy to finally actually meet up and kind yeah. of chat about your story. Took our time, but we got there. <laughs> we, did get, we did get there. But because um, you obviously, we'll do a bit of a backstory before we get into it about kind of, I guess, where you grew up and the kind of... Um, 
yeah, where you grew up in the life you had to kind of before obviously the accident happened and everything. So you always grew up Aubrey Wodonga, that was where Yeah, born and bred Aubrey Wodonga. Yep, grew up there, whole families from there, both my parents grew mm. up there as well. Um, two older brothers and then grew up there playing heaps of sport and ended up when I was seventeen moved to Sydney, lived mm. up there for a couple of years and then up in Newcastle for a year, but then settled back in Aubrey. Mm. Um, was living back in Aubrey and that's when I had my accident back there. How was it being like the little brother? Because I'm the same old little brother and <laughs> you cop a bit of shit. Oh, my brothers call me the golden child. <laughs> so, favourite, youngest, couldn't do anything wrong. It was amazing. But no, I actually loved having two older brothers. Always had, I guess, someone to compete with in the backyard. Mm. And I think that sort of made me develop. I think it helped me with sport a lot as well because mm. I was competing against two older people. So... Um, but yeah, I love being the youngest. Everyone says I get away with everything, so it's been great. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell parents when they ask me, like, how do we make like a perfect athlete? I'm um, say, have two kids and focus on the second. Yeah, yeah, and true. it sounds it sounds harsh, but from the moment you are born, you and you are competing against people that are better than you. Yeah, definitely. Like you're always at a deficit. Yep. And yeah, and it makes you push bigger harder. and stronger and faster and then mm. I hate losing so yeah <laughs> it definitely helped yeah. did, you, did you play lots of sports as well when you were I played everything so my family were massively into like um basketball dad was a good basketball player and so was mum I was in a netball but basketball was my main thing I played that mm. did a lot of like rep basketball um footy then played cricket as well just for fun and then water polo got into that as well mm. and that sort of water polo took over my life a fair bit there I did sort of pick between basketball and water polo and it was water polo was a new thing so I got into that and then started making a few rep teams in that as well and that's why I ended up uh, moving to Sydney when I was 17 I picked in like the junior Australian squad so mm. had to focus on that that was a big change living in Sydney for a couple of years moving away from family and then but was lucky enough to represent Australia in the under 18s under 20s so kind of paid off and then um doesn't pay the bills though water mm. polo not a high paying sport so that's why I ended up moving back to Aubrey and doing a plumbing apprenticeship so was enjoying that. Were you playing with Lockie Bruce when you were doing it in Aubrey? Yeah, in Aubrey I was playing with Lockie Bruce. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah played with him. Played footy against him and basketball with him as well. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. we were quite like tangled up in the same kind of friend groups and stuff, but we never, it's one of those things you just never... Didn't cross. Didn't but, cross. Yeah, and the yeah. weird thing, like the family thing, you think it would come up at some point. You'd think so, wouldn't you? It'll yeah. probably happen all the time now. Yeah, probably. We'll see each other just cross glass each other at a yeah. beach or something. Yeah, probably. So obviously with the water, so you... you did you have to like get to a point where you're like, okay, this is what I want to go after and focus on that? Definitely. Like it was living in Aubrey, I was the only person in the Australian squad that wasn't from a capital city. Mm. So the training and that I was driving on a Wednesday, I'd finish school early. Mum and dad would drive me to Melbourne, play a game, which is about three and a half hours from Aubrey, mm. play a game of water polo, drive back, get home, like early hours in the morning, get up and go to school the next day, and dad would go to work, like it was just, and then every second week we'll drive to Sydney to do a mm. training in Sydney, it was just, yeah, wasn't sustainable doing that way, so I had to make the move. And Was it motivating though, to be like, I'm, I'm again, like being the younger brother, like I've, it's harder for me, but I'll prove that I can still do it in a way? Definitely, it was, and like I said, I hate losing, yeah. <laughs> I hate being bad at things, so if I wasn't good enough, I'd just want to yeah train like crazy so 
It definitely was. I, I did enjoy being that one country kid that, mm. out of the, all the city folk, even though cops so much shit about Albury. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I, I did enjoy sort of having that challenge and, yeah, being the... And obviously, a different path. seeing what your parents were putting into it as well. Oh, I definitely. You want to, don't want to let them down if they're putting everything they've got into no, helping you. No, definitely. Like, they definitely didn't pressure me into doing anything, but mm. like I could see how motivated they were for it and the effort they were putting in. I thought, yeah, if they're going to put in this effort, then I've got to mm. sort of match it or yeah, do more. Is this why your brothers thought you were the golden child? Yeah, definitely. Driving you to Melbourne and whatnot. I sort of I said to my brothers, I was like, well, if you were good at stuff, they probably would have done the same for you. So. <laughs> Yeah. Such, yeah. Oh, it's such a little shit thing to yeah. say as a younger brother. Yeah, that couldn't say anything to me. So, did, yeah. they, did you guys? Did, well, like, how was the like relationship between them? Like, you said it was good, but like, did you guys clash a lot? Because I know I clashed with my yeah, brother. Yeah, definitely. Oh, we definitely did. Nothing. We never threw hands or anything. But like, definitely, I'd argue a lot or like fight in the backyard or wrestle yeah. until I could start beating them. Then they stopped. <laughs> but, um, it's funny when there's that turning moment yeah, is, when you yeah. kind of you're both growing and you kind of he hits his peak and you kind of start going and then it gets to this point where you're like, all oh, right, you can hit back yeah, harder exactly, now. Yeah, but um, like Mitch, my oldest brother, he moved he moved overseas when I was. Oh, I was early teenager maybe mm. and he moved over there for a couple of years then when he moved back I moved to Sydney so mm. we didn't see each other much for a lot of years um, but then did you feel like that almost strengthened the relationship though in a way almost yeah in a way definitely like I don't know not the type that like we had to talk all the time or anything. Mm. so that was yeah definitely um, yeah didn't make the relationship any worse or anything, mm. definitely but then Obviously, when I moved back to Aubrey and then had my accident, I was being around them a lot more. And then probably as you get older as well, you realise you don't hate your siblings. <laughs> yeah. Like everyone. And yeah, so <laughs> you that, just can't um, live under the same roof. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, so it's been obviously a lot better since then too. Yeah. yeah. So did you have, before obviously the accident happened, did you have like aspirations to keep going further? You said you became a plumber, but was there any like sporting aspirations you were still going for or was it mainly just like, okay, that doesn't pay the bills, let's focus on... Yeah, well, I mean, I had aspirations like make the Olympics and do all that, Mm -hmm. but once, yeah, I was, like I said, living in Sydney, training a ridiculous amount, like, and then I ended up moving up to Newcastle and I was still playing like, um, it's the highest level like in Australia you can play the National Mm -hmm. League, but even that, like, yeah, again, you don't make any money and I sort of I tried uni, it wasn't for me. Yeah, semester did me, and I was like, nah, I'm doing <laughs> that's, that's that. me so, done. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I sort of had to pick, like, yeah, I'd need something to pay the bills. So mm. I was still playing in Albury and playing a little bit of rep stuff here and there, mm. but um, yeah, pretty hard to sustain having a full time job. And mm. yeah, um, and I think I just, I was a bit burned out by that stage, like, training. 15 times a week and mm. sort of, yeah. And, um, There's just no real return for yeah, it, Yeah, exactly. So, um, and it's quite yeah. physical as well. Like, I didn't realise how physical water polo was. Like, people get held down and, like, obviously, yeah, like, you don't see a lot of it, but it's that, going on. It's exactly why it's so physical if you can't see what's under the water. Yeah. So, yeah, you can get away with a lot if you know how to do it. But mm. the, the refs don't know. So, yeah. Um, so, is that the link between you and Chloe? Then? Yeah. Okay, Chloe, okay. Yeah, okay. Wasn't, yeah that's what, sure. yeah. I wasn't yeah. too sure. That makes more sense now. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I loved it for a while. Is um, think back now, I'm like, oh, basketball might have paid more bills than water polo. But yeah, no, I loved it. Yeah. But that's the thing. I guess it's like you go after the thing you really enjoy. Like yeah, you know, and that's if that's the thing you really enjoy. That's the thing that if, that should work out if if it's going to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, 
oh, I think, oh, should I pick basketball or something like that? But like, I wouldn't have lived in Newcastle if I wouldn't mm. have, if I hadn't have done that. And some of my best mates are from there now. Mm. So um, yeah, definitely wouldn't wouldn't change it. Yeah. When you left and went, obviously lived in Newcastle. You said you went back then to Aubrey how did that feel like going back there after like kind of moving away? Cause I know for me personally, like it, when I went back, it seemed like it had like, I, I opened my eyes to what was there. It seemed like a different place. And now obviously you've moved again, but like, how was it when you first went back? I actually loved it to start with. I, I think it was cause I'd had, yeah, three years of just nonstop water polo training. Like mm. my life was just hectic and I went back and it was just simple. You just breathe. You just breathe. Yeah. I had like, or old mates back there, it was just like, I was doing my apprenticeship, so I'd get up, go to work, finish, go to the gym in the Arvo, mm. so I had Luna, my dog back there, and it was just, yeah, pretty simple life. I'd play footy on the weekends with my mates, get on the beers that night, mm. yeah, it was just a simple life, which I was only back there for a year before I had my accident, so mm. um, yeah, I don't know if it, I would have got over that simple life again and needed Needed change. Something needed change anyway, but yeah, for that year I was back there, and it was the year that everyone was everyone was turning twenty one. So every weekend was the twenty first. So <laughs> it was a good year to be back there. I guess but, as well that yeah, the timing of it, isn't it? Like yeah. when you're a certain age, and that's like that's what you kind of know and what's mm-hmm. around you. It's like every it's exciting and everything's happening and like, new things. And yeah, like you say, people are turning twenty one and yeah. a lot of partying and a lot of fun stuff going on. There, there was yeah. yeah. So no, I definitely enjoyed it that year I was back. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a bit different after my accident. There wasn't everyone my mates are working full time, and I'm sitting at home, so needed a change again then. Mm. But, yeah, because obviously, because you were obviously up here now, and that was a mm. a big part. Was that just because because of like? Would you reckon you would have moved pro- like prior to the accident, or you thought that was like the thing where you were like, okay, I need to be in a different spot now because? Yeah, again, I don't know if that like being out of of Aubrey. And the experience of that other stuff would have come up again anyway. But, mm. like, with the cold there, because after a spinal cord injury, you can't control your body temperature. Mm. So, like, the cold just kills me now. Mm. And it gets, obviously, like, you know, it gets down, like, below zero sometimes or doesn't get below above 10 for the day and you get the wind off the mountains and it just kills you. And then, again, mum was driving me an, oh, three and a half hours to Melbourne to do a two-hour therapy session and drive them back to Aubrey. Mm. So it was just not sustainable again. There's a really good therapy centre up here in, in Burley, so I'd come up for here like a month at a time, mm. do a month up here and then have to go back home. And once you look, look out the window, there's blue skies and it's 24 degrees today. Mm. There's, once I've been up here by the beach, I just yeah fell in love with it and, mm. and just wanted to be here. It was more about just loving here and needing to be here for the physical therapy side, more accessible. Um, like I said, if my mates are working all day, I'm just sitting at home, not doing much. There's more to do here, more opportunities for me up here. So mm. it just made more sense. So you say, you say with obviously the cold, so your body can't regulate the heat that... No. So like if it's cold, your body doesn't really shiver to like warm itself up. And if it's really hot, your body can't really sweat and cool yourself back down. So... Mm. You, Extremes of both can be really dangerous and you've got to like, monitor your temperature a lot. So yeah. Some people have it differently. Some absolutely hate the cold, cannot stand even sort of the, the cold that Queensland gets. Mm. Some people can't stand the heat and love the cold. 
So yeah. it just, yeah, it depends person to person, but generally I've found most people with spinal cord injuries hate the cold. Yeah. I'm one of them. I feel like, yeah, a lot of, because it, at the moment, I think, what is it down there? It would be like lows, oh. or lows of two to four or something, yeah. highs of 14, 15 yeah, degrees. Yeah, I think, yeah. How do you go with like humidity? Yeah, it's like really humid. It took me a bit to adjust um, when I first moved up here, but I'm okay now. I think I've yeah, acclimatised a little bit. Mm. And um, yeah, there's real hot like summer days still, like anyone kills me, but mm. um, yeah, definitely handle the heat better than the, the cold. Yeah, the freezing cold, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I can relate to that. Yeah. We'll go back because you were talking about obviously when you moved back to Aubrey, it's like the time that everyone was having their 21st birthday parties and everyone was kind of doing that. And that's actually where the accident happened was at your 21st birthday, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, what was the actual, even when you, like when you tell the story, does it feel different each time you tell it or does it kind of, does it bring up certain emotions when you tell it? Cause it's one of those things that you kind of, I feel like obviously you've said it so much and explained it, but is it times where it's just like, it, it, it feels different? Not really, no. I'm pretty, like, uh, not desensitised to it. I think from the start I was pretty okay talking about it all. Like, mm. I'm sort of, it's happened and there's not much point dwelling on it, so I'm pretty, um, as I tell, as it gets longer ago, I've got to think about it a bit more, about the details. Exactly and what like happened, what, yeah. yeah. what happened. Because, um, yeah, I guess one of those things that I don't really think about unless I'm, someone asked me about it or something mm. I suppose but um, yeah it hasn't really changed for me because I was going to say from the outside looking in obviously you've been super positive about it and you kind of even jo- obviously you always joke about it and make yeah. kind of fun of it in a way yeah but like that to me I feel like would take a, like a lot of strength to be like or not strength oh, yeah it would take strength but just to be okay with it I feel like a lot of people because they probably look at it as like you can't make fun of it in a way but like you find a way to find humor in it which i think is yeah. really powerful and shows other people because if someone comes up to you and is feeling down about it then their energy rubs off on you and then it makes you feel down about it where it's like if you can go to them and be like i'm happy and i love my life mm-hmm. and everything's good it lifts them up and they like won't because for me like for in just a racing um scenario if I, like if you come down and you made it might have crashed or something. People come and say, "Oh man, that's no good." Blah blah blah. Yeah. But you could just be happy because you had fun riding your bike. Like yeah, you don't, exactly. you, you don't let that thing bring you down. And I feel like a similar thing. If people come up to you with like sad or negative emotions, that's going to rub off on you. Where if you're just like yeah. the happy light that shines bright. Yeah, it's but like if people come up and feeling sorry for you and all that, then you're just going to, I don't, know, you just feel like shit. I suppose exactly. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I think it's definitely helped. Like. I don't know, just the way my family are just taking the piss out of things. And I remember that one thing was in hospital and I couldn't, um, like I think I had tubes and stuff down my throat at this stage in ICU. So I'd like try to communicate. I was trying to like gesture with my eyebrows almost. And my brother started calling me the Cabri kid. You know that Cabri ad where they dance with their eyebrows? Yeah. Stuff like that. And then yeah. finally when like I could eat again and I was laying in bed and, they had Oreos or something, and so they put it on my forehead and made me try to use up my face muscles to work it down to my mouth and stuff like that. Just, just stupid shit like that. So, um, but that I would think, create a feeling in you that is like, yeah, is way more positive than if you're not doing exactly, that. yeah. And so I can remember my best mate as well. He's got real bad eyesight. Like, couldn't get his license for a bit in that, 
and he was visiting me in rehab and it was raining and I just said something about it raining outside my window. He's like, oh, how can you see it? How do you know it's raining? I was like, ask normal people, Cal, we can see it. And he's like, yeah, us normal people, Nick, we can walk outside and feel it. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, also, just jokes like that. other people sort of being just not treating it normal as well yeah. just makes it so much easier to deal with. Like, yeah. like you said, if people are tiptoeing around you and checking, like, oh, feels like, are you okay? And yeah, mm. stuff like that. It's just gonna that's gonna get to you more. So yeah, it's worse. Yeah. And, I, and I guess from their perspective, they're trying to do the right thing, but it's just like just. Yeah, it's just normal just being yeah. a person. And my family sort of know that you know if I need something, I'll ask. Not to like you don't have to push and mm. um, yeah. So like I said, that I've always said yeah. The support I had around me, the people I had around me, definitely made it so much easier for me to be, I guess, positive and just accept it. So mm. yeah, definitely makes a difference. Yeah. So what exactly? We'll go back to the story. Like what exactly happened the night or the day of when it happened? Yeah. So. It was at my 21st, like he said, and I was just, I should do it, I guess, most 21st, have a few too many beers. Mm. Um, I'd had a few too many and then a few more. Um, and just ran, I'd, I'd sort of remember doing it, but I don't know if my body's kind of blacked it out or just filled in gaps or whatnot, but I ran and dove into my um, parents' backyard pool, uh, dove into the shallow end, hit the bottom, um, and then sort of just, I've got this memory of, I can see someone's legs there and I sort of went to reach for them to help me, but I couldn't move. Mm-hmm. And then I don't really remember anything else until being back at hospital. Mm-hmm. But, um, suppose, or apparently I, um, I think it was Reese, my brother dove in and I think maybe my partner at the time or a friend or something like that also helped get me out of the pool and had me on the side. One of Dad's mates was there that was a, um, a fiery, and so he knew sort of the techniques of what to test for and all this, and mm. a lot of commotion, obviously. I think, apparently I was conscious, but, yeah, I don't know. I might have concussed myself, but I, I don't mm. know, but, yeah, I don't remember anything. Um, and then a couple, I think three ambulances came to stabilise me and all that, and then took me back to the Aubrey Base Hospital, I remember being there and I remember just being so thirsty and I kept asking the nurse for a drink. She's like, you can't give you a drink, like you're going in for surgery type thing. But mm. got flown from Aubrey to Melbourne in the helicopter, got airlifted there, had surgery at the Alfred. Um, I remember getting wheeled down the aisle and like, or down towards the surgery room and as I was prepping the room out the front, a doctor came up and was like, oh, I'm going to put a pick line in your leg. And I was like, yep, sweet, and sort of laying there. And I was like, oh, are you going to do it? And he's like, oh, I've already done it. And I was like, oh, it's weird, I didn't feel it. And that was like my first memory of being like... Oh, it's hard to like kind of question what was happening. Yeah, I don't remember thinking, oh, I must be paralysed. But I just mm. remember thinking, like, why, why didn't I feel that? That's weird. Yeah. But... Anyway, I was just, my neck was in so much pain. I just remember I was just excited for surgery because I just wanted to be put to sleep. So, yeah, yeah, so didn't have to feel it anymore. But what was the surgery you went in for? So, that was they, because I dislocated my neck and compressed my spinal cord, which is what the damage to my spinal cord was. Mm. Um, So, in the surgery, I think was like resetting the bones of my neck. 
and then they put a steel rod in the back of my neck just to stabilise it and also a cage in the front. Yeah. I don't really know what that means, just something in the front mm. to hold it all in place. Um, yeah, just to allow the, the, the heal as much as possible, I suppose, and to reset that bone. But, um, yeah, from there it was ICU for oh, a week and a bit maybe, tube, breathing tube down my throat and like, uh, whatever it's called that they feed through your nose and then eventually got that out and had to learn how to like, sort of breathe again. Started on thickened water and that sort of thing because you can't drink liquids because my throat was so swollen. Because I had like a, I took on water so I had water on my lungs and had a collapsed lung um, and then yeah, had to reinflate that, try to cough up all the water and shit on my lungs so that was fun. It was like a physio two hours a day, get woken up every two hours to try to do all these coughing exercises. And um, eventually when I got good enough and could breathe and eat and drink on my own sort of thing, then um, went to out of that unit to just a hospital ward and then on to rehab. Did you, did they make it like clear at the start kind of where the position, like when did you actually find out, was it by a doctor came in and said, hey, this is the seriousness of this injury? Yeah, I don't have a clear memory of someone saying to me, like you've sustained a spinal cord injury, you're not going to walk again, Mm. like that, any, I don't have a clear memory of like that conversation, Mm. but I I remember knowing it somehow, I don't know if like just... Because doctors come into your room and they talk about you as if you're not there. Mm. Like they, they've got their people around, um, their student doctors, other people, whoever they are, or the specialists, and they, you're right there and they do tests on you and then they talk to the other people around your bed. And so I think it was maybe just from listening to them talk to each other, maybe I got it from that. Um, yeah. That, uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty brutal way to hear yeah. something like so life-changing as like overhear it. Yeah, in a city. Yeah, yeah. yeah, in a city. Like, that's... Yeah, I, that's the memory that I have. So, um, yeah, you get used to it after a while and the way they talk about you like that. But, mm. um, yeah, it was... I, but I remember at the start I didn't really have... Because I had no experience with disability really mm. before my accident. So I remember laying in ICU thinking that, like... Oh yeah, like I mean, I'll be in a wheelchair now, but I'll play wheelchair basketball. I'll do all these things. I just didn't have a clear because to me, you break your neck, you're in a wheelchair. Like mm. that's what it is. You can still use your arms. It's just your legs that are mm. done. Um, obviously, I was very wrong, but mm. um, yeah, that was my thought I had then. So I just had. But you were thinking there. like that straight away. That was yeah. I kind of, that's. Yeah. I feel like that's like such a positive <laughs> way to look because. Did you ever think something like this could happen? Was this a, like a... Never crossed my mind, no. Yeah. No. No, I was going to say, like, I never had the... I never had, you know, what some people say, that, like, oh, it'll never be me type thing. Yeah. Like, I had that to an extent, but I was never... I'd say I was never, like, reckless when... Other than when drinking alcohol, apparently. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah um, like, some of my mates, you know, people are just like that, but... Um, yeah, I feel like I was never like that, but I never, at the same time, I never thought something like this was going to happen. So, mm. Yeah. Because I'm probably the opposite of that spectrum where I, obviously through what I do with mountain biking mm. and like obviously pretty extreme things, that was always a massive fear of mine was like being paralyzed. And I always thought 
not that it would happen, but it was always in the back of my mind that it could happen. Yeah. So I'd always think about what, like if it did, like that's obviously, especially when something is like, you say like when you played sports, like your passion and then obviously mm. it'd be turned into my job. But it's like, if that's taken away, I think your identity, well, my identity is so wrapped up in that as well. So it's like, not only it's like you're losing the use of your legs, but then you lose your job and your identity. It's like so many things yeah. all together. And I always kind of thought to myself how I would react to that. And I just, when I first thought about it, I was like, oh, I'd be destroyed. I wouldn't know what to do, blah, 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 all the stuff that I think. And then I started to look at it as like, I'd probably be able to put more time into my podcast. Yeah. And as soon as you like yeah. kind of flip the idea of like a negative can be turned into a positive, mm-hmm. it's just like, it is what it is. And it's kind of surrendering to the, to what is and like, yeah. okay, you can't change this. So what's the best thing I can do now that it, this is my situation? Yeah. Exactly. I feel like you had that straight away. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, I, I tried uni and it definitely wasn't for me. So I'm not the intellectual <laughs> type to, yeah. yeah. I did, I did try to get back, actually. It didn't work again. It was no good. Round two was not any better. What were you trying but, to study? Oh, I did construction management at the start yeah. and then went back and tried business, but neither were. Neither were the one. But, yeah, I mean, like, my whole life was physical. Like, loved playing footy, going to the gym, water polo, basketball, all that stuff. So then, when yeah, when that was taken away, there was a bit of, like, what am I going to do now? Mm. And at the start, it was still, I guess, physical. Like, I was just... For the first couple of years, at least, just so concentrated on just physical therapy, trying to get better type thing. Mm. Um, and then it got to the point now where like, I still do physical therapy and still working on it, but you don't just want to feel like you're just trying to get better your whole life. So you've got to move on to that next stage of life. And that's mm. where I, yeah, took a bit, took a bit to figure out. Um, but I feel like I've got that good balance now. Mm. I'm doing like podcasts, I work again now, and yeah, doing a few different things. So, because mm. mm. when did when did it all kind of I guess more or less sink in when you're doing physical therapy that okay, this is the kind of baseline of where we, we're going to be. It was in rehab, so I remember I was so like looking forward to going to rehab because I was like I had so I couldn't move my arms at all. I could mm. move my shoulders a little bit like this. I had a chin-controlled wheelchair, so I'd, like, drive with my chin. I couldn't move my arms. Mm. And I was like, oh, when I get to rehab, I'll work on it. I'll be able to work out. I'll get all this arm movement back. Like, I'll be sweet. And then it was probably two or three weeks into rehab, and I was like, I hadn't really made many improvements. And I was like, oh, this is not working out the way I thought it was going to. Mm. And I think that's when it hit me the hardest. That was... That was probably the hardest couple of days, I reckon, trying to accept that, that I wasn't just going to get back and be able to move my arms like I thought I was going, mm. going to be able to. So, yeah, I reckon that's when it hit me the hardest. But sort of, again, once you accepted that and thought, right, well, I'm not going to get back to what I was, but, like, I can still get better than what I am, so... What tools yeah. did you kind of use to accept that? Like, what did you kind of go through to, to come to terms with that? Um, I remember a guy at rehab told me, He's like, um, you can't have your good days without having your bad days. Mm. So he's like, you can't be happy all the time. But if you just allow yourself to have the bad times and just deal with them, then that'll allow you to have the good times. So I sort of used that a little bit to when I was down, I didn't try to fight myself out of it or anything. You just felt sort it. of felt it a little bit. And I was like, yeah, this does fucking suck. Mm. But, like, it is what it is. I've got no point dwelling on it again. So, mm. 
then it might be a day, and then I'll wake up the next day and be feeling better and be like, right, like, mm. let's get back into it. But again, my mum was with me in rehab pretty much the whole time. So having her there, my parent, um, my dad would come on weekends, mates would come visit, just stuff like that, just having the support around, I guess, kind of, oh, distracted me a little bit, but mm. just, again, I was like, well, it's not going to help me at all, just crying about it or not doing anything about it. I may mm. as well try everything I can to get as good as I can, mm. I suppose. It's, yeah, I was just... I think I just switched into thinking about... It was like a, it was a weird thinking. It was almost like a bit of a challenge to see how much stronger I could get. So I just, yeah, took it in that sort of mindset, I think. Because I think, I think we all... Well, I know personally, and there's a moment where I think in life, a lot of us have like a big fuck-up moment. Mm. And I think it's better when it happens to yourself and not to others because... Yeah. For example, I did a similar thing where I was really drunk and I tried to do something dumb and I ended up breaking something and obviously not to this extent, but it was still like, oh shit. Mm. And it was like this moment of, you, like, it was just like you kind of had to stop and look at yourself and be like, oh, why did I do that? And you dwell on it. But then I have friends that have crashed cars and killed people. Mm. And I was like, they've got to live that their whole life yeah. knowing that they have done something and that was their big fuck up moment. But because of that, someone else isn't here. And I'm like, I'm happy that my big fuck up moment only hurt me personally. Yeah, and I guess that's the thing. It's like, you're obviously still here and you're still, you do, like you, you've got all these things that you're doing that are like obviously helping other people now. And I feel like that can be seen as such a positive than someone that's like, and obviously someone can still help people if they've done something really bad. But it's just like, I feel like for you, it's like the, the big fuck up moment is almost, it's like it's on you in a way. And it's like, you mm-hmm. can deal with that where it's like just say, you push your friend in the pool and this happened to him, then you've got yeah. to live with that. And that's definitely. And I think the reverse as well, that if someone else had have done it to me, mm. then I've, I know people that have had their injuries through like what someone else has done to them mm. or whether it's like, yeah, crash crashed a car, whatever it is, mm. but they can hold a lot of anger at that person. Mm. Whereas it's sort of easier to be at peace with yourself knowing, yeah, I fucked up. I did this, but yeah, it is what it is. Whereas if someone else had to crash their car into me and done this, I, I feel like it'd be a lot easier to be angry at them and not be able to move on because you just mm. can't let go of that. So, yeah, that's a, that is one thing definitely I'm glad, I guess, I did it to myself if it was going to happen. And I also know a lot of people will justify it. Like, say, mm. it's like, yeah, you should be angry at him or, like, you yeah. should... like, And it's like... I, I learned this a little while ago where it's like people give you the permission to be pissed off or angry and I was like you shouldn't give your friends permission to be angry you should give them permission to be happy and yeah. like fulfilled and all these good things but it's like like the whole thing if someone comes like yeah you should be pissed off at this and you should be angry at that I was like how is that creating a good mindset yeah. for yourself when you're just drilling this into them that it's okay to feel that way I'm like it's like it is okay to feel that way but don't don't yeah. support it like just yeah, feel like exactly. you can feel shit but like you shouldn't like you should feel happy and like because you might be happy like wait should I be pissed off like, yeah you yeah. question yourself yeah. exactly so, you, do, you do question yourself but that obviously comes from other people coming in and kind of again it comes back to just like just be normal just come and yeah like I said if you are feeling a certain way like that's fine but you don't you shouldn't go encourage people to feel yeah. a negative sort of way but yeah. a lot of people do do that yeah. they do yeah. come in and it's like you've got every right to hate that person for yeah. doing this and you're like 
and that the whole forgiveness thing and i guess you said like forgiving yourself for mm. that as well like surrendering to it is such a powerful thing yeah definitely. because you could like you could spend your whole life well anytime something you've done something that ends badly you can spend your whole life dwelling on it but mm. then like you said what's that going to achieve really yeah no point at all mm. yeah do you feel now that this has happened and obviously you said you're doing the podcast and doing certain talks and stuff do you feel like there's a like you have this kind of power now to inspire and help other people because it's like if you can be positive in in, in this way and then like see other people that might be struggling with something that it's like no you can you can be happy and you can be positive yeah i've definitely like at at the start through sharing my story a little bit i've had people come to me and say that it's made a difference to them and it sort of made me realise that that it can make a difference. So I have definitely enjoyed using what I've gone through, I suppose, and, yeah, tools that I've used or just, yeah, generally telling my story to, to impact others and through doing it more and seeing the more people. There might be a, a room of 50 people and it might help three of them. Yeah. But if you do that to enough rooms, you've got to help enough people and... But even that the, three, like yeah, exactly. or the one, the yeah, one the three, the, yeah, yeah, whatever it is, is yeah. yeah. But if I do a hundred rooms and, mm. and help one person, then it's worth it. But mm. um, yeah, I've I've enjoyed doing that and seeing the positive impact it can have. And I guess at the start, I didn't really realise that. I was just like my story, and I thought, oh, it's cool to hear a story about a guy that almost died, and just yeah, it's just interesting. Mm. But I didn't realise it was actually making a difference. So it is, mm. it is cool to to see that and that's why I do enjoy enjoy doing it to try to help as many people as I can how close did you come to dying um well I suppose I was in the early stages of drowning um taking on water and then kind of having a collapsed lung and and all that sort of stuff so I mean I wouldn't say yeah saying I was close to dying is probably an exaggeration but yeah but um yeah but that's the thing if even your friends and stuff didn't know you were like what had happened they thought you might be joking around like how long are you in the water before yeah I'd actually again I don't know how long I was in the water I think I sort of people saw it happen and thought oh that doesn't look good mm. and then I sort of just like floated in the water a little bit and then they're like oh shit yeah he needs <laughs> he needs help right yeah, yeah. so um, I think because there was so many, obviously being my 21st, there was so many people around, there was a lot of people close by to not have to leave me there for that long. Um, yeah, but it was long enough that, like I said, had a collapsed lung and water on the lungs, so mm. I must have taken in a little bit, yeah. Because mm. I've got this thing now that I've been thinking about how, like I feel like um, like with pain, it's like pain's like a kind of like a flame, and mm. it's like it can either, like it can bring people together just like saying like a campfire, or it can like lead the way like is it like a torch or it can like burn your whole house down mm. so it's like you can use pain can be used for so many different things but i feel like that's the thing it's like you you, you could use the pain that obviously you've gone through or like dealt with or whatever and it could burn your whole world down and you could just like you said go into this pity party and, mm. and not be positive or you could use it as like a light to show other people that be positive but it's like it's how you use that kind of pain or that adversity and come through it and i think that's the biggest thing with people they see something and then they, they take something from that and use it in their own lives. Like, for example, today, like I was, just before I came here, I was at the gym and like obviously I'm doing, doing gym stuff and I'm like absolutely wrecked. But then I'm like thinking of like, if you could go to the gym and go like, you, like you, you wouldn't even think about that it's hard. You'd just be so happy to just be able to do that. And I think that's like that idea of just like taking, 
that positive. It's like, okay, I am here. I can do this. Like, let's make it happen. Yeah, exactly. And I even, I spoke to a group of, I think there were year eight or nine girls the other week. And mm. I think uh, we got them, it was a part of an um, initiative called Girls Who Glow with Liv Filan. They got the girls to write down something they think about their body. They didn't say it was positive or negative, but something right about their body. And we read them out and so many of them were just negative things about like, I've got fat thighs, I've got all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And the girls that young. And it was sort of showing them like everything was about something, an appearance of their body. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I wouldn't care if I was 50 kilos or 150 kilos. Mm-hmm. If my body could do things that like, get out of bed when I want to or go to the gym or just like give my mum a hug or something like that mm. you don't care what it looks like it's about switching that mindset of the way you think about your body whether it is you concentrate on something painful and you think oh this is too hard or whether you worry about the way you look rather than what your body's actually able to do for you make is the real thing that makes a difference mm. so, yeah things just yeah like I said switching that mindset about the way you think about pain or your body or whatever it is because yeah. mm. I think there'd be so many people that obviously are like able-bodied but they're extremely depressed and extreme, extremely like negative towards their body mm. but then you have someone that's disabled but then they're super happy mm. and you're kind of just like yeah it's that it trade-off of like actually having perspective and like understanding that it's like yeah this is what you need to do yeah I think a lot of people as well it's because it's fine line because a lot of people felt like they couldn't be sad because they were like they felt guilty because they were in a better situation than me or something like mm. that. Um, or that their feelings don't matter because I'm worse off or something like that, mm. whatever it is. But I'm like, yeah, to an extent, you don't want to carry on about things you can control, but mm. you're still entitled to feel a certain way. And yeah, it's, I think it's a funny line to, to toe, but... Yeah. yeah, you don't want to just be like, oh, I can't be feel this way because yeah. of someone else. That's, that's not really fair. Yeah. It's like, no, you can feel it, but mm. like try and understand it. Yeah, exactly. Don't just don't just sit in it. Yeah, because like, people people are worse off than me doesn't mean that my situation doesn't suck. Yeah, just because I'm worse off than you doesn't mean your situation doesn't suck either. So mm. yeah. So you're saying you, you so what? You've been doing more talks and more obviously podcasts and stuff. You're saying, but do you say you do the more talks with like? Is it like a set thing that you do, or do people invite you to come and do speaks uh, speeches or? I've had just random ones where people just invite me to come do them. Um, but then I also do one through a company, um, and they're just to different groups of people, whatever, yeah, go through them, but generally a high school age, and mm. I think it's a good age before getting out into, you, you say, the real world, where you're going to be influenced a bit more, I suppose, and where mm. you do start getting into alcohol and that sort of stuff, mm. just to know. I always say to people, you don't wrap yourself up in bubble wrap and worry about getting hurt, but... Mm just take calculated risks because mm. there is yeah it's a line that if you're just reckless things can happen so, yeah. is it fulfilling doing that it is yeah it is I do enjoy trying to yeah to create that awareness I suppose and also just spreading the message of again like I had no experience with disabilities beforehand mm. so to me people with disabilities you felt sorry for them and you had to tiptoe around them and mm. didn't really know how to interact I suppose and now, since obviously having disability and meeting so many others, and they're some of the most just, yeah, <laughs> funny people in the world and just like yeah. inappropriate and just, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, definitely just about trying to create that awareness of treating people normally and, yeah, that sort of thing, which, again, has, yeah, that's been rewarding. Do you get nervous? Speaking no, I've actually, 
I've always been fine with public speaking. Yeah. I know my old man was like a public speaker and I've had to do a fair few interviews and that with um, water polo and sport and stuff growing mm. up and I don't know, I'm just, I'm pretty comfortable in front of the you camera just, and You just, mine, you just so, do it, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I'm pretty okay with it, so, so I don't know why. But. I'm fine in front of the camera, but if you put me in a hundred people in front of me, oh, really? I, yeah. think I, I think, you know when you you know you'd probably be able to make it work, yeah. but at the same time inside you're like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. So, I think some people just overthink it so much as well, and like, I like to not try to be too scripted, because I feel like when you're too scripted, you're that's when if you miss something that's mm. when you lose yourself because you're like oh no I stuffed up and yeah. then um, but yeah like the biggest one the Pericross Gala mm. dinner it's called it's a, a Pericross Spinal Research Foundation mm. uh, raising funds to find a cure for spinal cord injury and had a big gala ball and co-hosted that with Lib Island and I saw that yeah. yeah so that was really cool as well to be able to sort of be in front of all these people and um, that are working towards finding a cure as well and kind of mm. be represented. I suppose Perry's always there and Perry is the face of it and the Pericross Research Foundation, but just being able to sort of say thank you to all these people that are doing it all too. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's been cool. It's been more opportunities to do stuff like that, which I wouldn't have had if it wasn't for my accident. Mm. So, mm. Do you have, like, obviously with the advances in, like, technology, like Neuralink, and I was looking into... Um, what is it, this um, nerve stimulation stuff? Mm. About, like, whether that will, like, obviously become advanced enough that you will be able to walk? Because I've seen in Switzerland they were putting it um, into patients and they were bringing it up on, like, an iPad or something and it could react nerves and they were walking. Like, obviously it was the beginning stages, mm. but they were obviously, they were getting people to walk with, like, a, with like a stro- what would you call it, like a walker? Like a walking frame. Walking frame, yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, there's heaps of stuff going on around the world at the moment mm. and... But yeah, the, the Pericross Spinal Research Foundation is based on the Gold Coast. Mm. Um, yeah, Pericross is a, a mate of mine now, and he started this about 20 years ago. And they're working on using your nasal cells and implanting them into your spinal cord because your nasal cells regenerate mm. themselves. So by planting them into your spinal cord in line with a lot of other more technical things, um, but that can regenerate and try to grow bridge the pathway between your, I guess, your top of your spinal cord and the bottom. Because mm. that's the weirdest thing that is that, like, my body, there's nothing wrong with my body. It's, I have got broken legs or anything like that. It's just literally a, a part of my spinal cord, the message can't get from my brain past that injured site yeah. down to my nerves in my legs to tell them to move. Yeah. So it's just if something can bridge that gap where that injury is, then the message will get through again and it'll work. So there's been, yeah, there's a lot going into it. They're only, I'd say only about $3 million short of starting human trials, but in terms of funding for things like this, $3 million isn't really like a big amount. So they're still trying to do fundraising, get government backing and all that sort of thing to to start human trials in in putting uh, these nasal cells into the spinal cord, and that's looking really promising, and that's based at Griffith University and the Gold Coast here, and through Making Strides, the therapy place that I go to there, the physical therapy side of it. So I'm confident. I, I don't have in my head that I'm going to be up playing footy again, mm. going doing anything wild like that, but it could even give me more independence back, um, just, I don't know, taking a few steps, being, like I said, 
give mum and dad and family members a hug and that sort of thing, that, that would make the world of difference, yeah. So How much hope do you put into that or do you kind of believe what you see it kind of mentality? I put, I do put a lot of hope into it, but I, I, yeah, I don't know how to explain it. I always, I also in the back of my mind have that it's not going to work. You'd rather go with no expectation. Yeah. And then if it happens, sweet. If it doesn't, yeah. I'm, I'm still, it's all yeah, good. Yeah. Like it is very promising and it is very exciting, but at the same time, I'm not getting ahead of myself mm. just in case. Cause you'd, yeah, you'd hate to put everything into it and then it doesn't work and just be so deflated mm. and it'd be almost like dealing with the injury all over again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. it's been so close to that, like you can touch it and then yeah. just pull it back away again. Exactly. So. But you've, like, there's got it, like, we just how advanced we're getting now with mm. just everything in general. Oh. It's like, at, at what point are we just going to go, okay, we can we can heal this, this is yeah. not, not an issue. Yeah. I um, heard something I think Elon Musk talking about putting like a chip below and above your injury site and like Bluetoothing a message across. Yeah. So then I was like, what if you're walking along and the Bluetooth drops out and you just drop, just fall to the ground? Just wait for it to reconnect. Yeah, yeah to re- reconnect and get back up again. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, there's so much stuff going on like that. So I hopefully the next five, ten years even, it'll, yeah, there'll be a next few years there'll be more and yeah would you would you go straight into like human trials if they if they did it if you've like the, if they said hey we've got an opportunity for you to be the one of the first people to trial this would you go yeah or would you wait a bit I go back and forth with this part of me would love to and be straight in there and fix me and part of me is like go practice on other people and get it right first <laughs> yeah. and then I'll have it thanks yeah. but um, yeah I'm a little bit torn between that because Although obviously I'd love to be cured, I am, I guess, content. I suppose it would in my, how my life is at the moment. Yeah. So, um, but I guess if someone said to me, "Yeah, we've got this," I doubt I'd be saying no. Yeah. I'd probably, yeah, probably jump back in straight in there and be like, "Yep, give me a go." Give me, yeah. yeah. Does that make you nervous at all for like going back into it, or are you kind of just? Oh, yes, and I suppose it depends what it would be. Yeah, like exactly what it would be, but um, no, nah, I reckon I reckon once it came down to it, I'd be straight in there. And mm. Well, I guess that's the thing, they have to go, hey, this is what we're going to do, yeah. these are the complications that may arise, or this is what, yeah, it's really dependent on the situation, yeah, isn't exactly. it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. It is cool to see that this could be a thing of the past, where it's like, oh. if you have an injury like this, it's like, no, this is, yeah. it might set you back a bit, but you can come back. Yeah, exactly. Come when back through it. People have a spinal cord injury and they go into hospital rather than putting them through all these different things I went through. They'll put the nasal cells into their spinal cord, put them in a ward for a few weeks and they'll they come leave through. again or something like that. It'll be because the, the amount of money that the, that a spinal cord injury costs the government over a lifetime is ridiculous, like billions. Or mm. Yeah, so hopefully asking for three million or whatever it is to start these human trials here it's a drop in the pond compared to what to what they've been paying because how does that work with you in your case so like through NDIS um, is a government funded scheme to they it's, yeah like I said it's so to be a, a quad quadriplegic is so expensive so um, it's lucky living in Australia you get funding like that but again if we could have enough money to cure people would be mm. a lot cheaper. So, mm. Yeah. But. Do you feel as well, 
when you're going to do these talks and stuff, it's almost giving back in a, a way, like kind of obviously it's giving you purpose as well and fulfillment, but it's almost like giving back to people are helping you with the injury. So it's like your way of giving back and showing other people to not stopping them from the same thing happening, but just being able to help them in a positive way. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And like I said, I love spreading a positive message and showing that people with disabilities or things that happen to aren't these depressed people that sit in the corner. Like I've had times when I've been out and one lady came up to me and she's like, it's so good to see you here. I had no idea who she was. And I was like, why? And she's like, it's just so good to, just so good to see you out here. And I was like, I just, I sort of just brushed it. Like, it, it doesn't upset me, but I was yeah. just kind of like, and she was drunk and maybe she would regret it or whatever, but. I but then again, I don't think it came from, a, like, it didn't come from a bad place, no. but it's like. Still just condescending. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, why just because I have a disability I have to sit at home? Like, yeah. Yeah, so stuff like that. And I think I want to be, play obviously a, a small part, but in just changing the narrative around people with disabilities mm. and showing that. I still like to go out, have a good time, and just, yeah, just do things. I see photos out the pad, yeah, yeah. beer. Yeah, yeah, I know. Someone asked me, one of those girls asked me the other day, actually, they're like, oh, did you stop drinking after your accident? And I was like, probably should have. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm a lot more responsible now, but, yeah. No. <laughs> but, um, yeah, definitely still like to get out and have a good time. So. Yeah, that's the thing, you like, can still live life. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I thought I saw a thing you posted recently and talked about it was uh, Mental Health Week, and you obviously can be like a big advocate for that, and I'm, I'm I try and do the same thing. I think it's like pretty sad that it's like the biggest killer of mm. like I don't sure it's men and women, but definitely men under forty in Australia. Yeah, and it's pretty crazy to think that's like of all other diseases and issues going on that ourselves are what's what's the biggest one. And it's like if you can shine a light on mental health and kind of show people to be more positive, I think it's a, a massive tool. And like, it's like you, you don't know how many people you might have saved in a way. Yeah. Like you don't know if like it was like almost a straw that broke the camel's back, but you just kind of removed the straw. And yeah, that's one thing. It's, it's hard sometimes because you can put out all this positivity and say all this stuff. And just because you don't hear it back doesn't mean it's not doing something. Mm. But do you feel like, do you feel like, you, I'm trying to work out how to question this, um, like when did you feel like the, you wanted to have, be a big push for like mental health and, and, and help other people in that way? Yeah, I've had a few people, in my, like a few guys that I've known in my life that have taken their own lives. Mm. Um, guy I played water polo with and a good friend of mine, her brother and a few different people that obviously just like way too young and... Mm. I think through that and through my injury, I think I matured a lot through that. It just made you have to grow up. And I don't know, I just saw all this stuff about mental health and different people I know that struggled with it. And um, I, I just, it's just, I don't know why people don't feel comfortable talking about it or mm. not, not, I don't know why, because I, I understand it's, it's difficult, but I just want to try to help remove this stigma around it. Mm. And I've always said that I'm very lucky in that I haven't had really any mental health problems, mm. but some people just the way their brains wired, they do. And mm. I just sort of want to spread the message that it's okay to talk about it. Like, yeah, it's, it's just a weird one because it's so, it's so spoken about now that it should be okay to talk about it but then people still don't feel comfortable to talk about it. And mm. I think especially 
yeah, men, like you said, young men just don't want to don't want to do it. But I thought that's why I did that post on Instagram, just sort of saying that I thought it was men or National Mental Health Day or Men's Mental Health Week, whatever it was, and just that I thought if I can say my piece, it might encourage someone else to say their piece or something mm. like that. Just because you do, once you see someone do it, you think, oh, if they did it, then it's okay to do. And mm. it might have only helped one person as well, but it might have helped no one. But still, by, by doing that, it's, I feel like it, it's got, you got to try. Even mm. if, yeah, so. It definitely helps people. I know, like, personally, when I've been very vocal about something, like, whether it be mental health or issues that I've faced or, like, struggles that I've faced mm. or things that I've done, and then, like, the flood of people that come back and go, oh, you're not like, I'm not the only one or yeah. the same. And it's like, especially, I guess people view people that are successful as not having to deal with it. Mm. So I think when they can open up and be like, oh, hey, like I, because we all struggle. Like everyone yeah. struggles in their own way, whether it be mental or physical or whatever it is. So I think if you can shine a light on that and go, hey, like we're all the same, we all deal with it. Mm. And then you see how people open up to you. It's just like, oh, okay, now, now we can talk about yeah. it and work through it. Cause I think I used to have that when I was younger. I had that stupid. Like, I remember there was an AFL player who was, I think, a bit million dollars a year playing AFL, and he took time off for mental health. And I was like, "What the hell have you got to be upset about? You're playing mm. AFL. You're getting paid all this money. It's so dumb." And then, since just learning more about it all, I'm like, mm. that doesn't play into the fact that you can have stuff going on. Like, it doesn't matter. You can't. Again, people in a better circumstance than me would be having these mental health problems mm-hmm. and then be feel like they can't talk to me about it or whatever because like oh he's in a worse situation whatever it might be and I'm mm-hmm. like but that doesn't it's not your external factors always that are going to play a role in it so I just want to spread that that, that it's okay it doesn't matter what your situation is you can still mm-hmm. be upset or it's okay to feel a certain way but yeah, yeah just talk about it so for example like imagine you're in a relationship or something and your partner passes away and they feel like they can't talk to you about that pain that they're feeling because they feel like your pain like somehow trumps that or something yeah, it's this weird thing exactly. it's like mm. we all go through different things or different feelings like we can help each other if we actually discuss yeah. it and talk about it if you bury it deep down and it never gets talked about then how are you gonna yeah how, exactly. you gonna, how are you gonna fix it or how are you gonna work through it yeah yeah exactly you just got to and the, f- the first step is just talking to someone, whether it's someone you feel like you can talk to or to random, send me a message on Instagram, mm. I don't know, you, like whatever it is, it doesn't matter. So yeah. um, just talk to someone about it. And then I've heard so many people say it just feels like a weight getting lifted off their shoulders yeah. and then you can start to work through it. But, it's a good feeling. Hey, like I had a guy, I'd never met him before, like obviously knows him through writing. Mm. And he just sent me this big message about like his girlfriend had just broken up with him and mm. he was really battling and struggling. He just like asked for a little bit of advice. Yeah. He just like took the time to say, hey, this is what I would do. Yeah. And then he's like, okay. And then he sent me actually a photo. He's like, just booked a, I was like, you need to get away, man. You need to like reset and all that. And mm. then like a couple of days later, he's like, just booked a trip to Canada, sent me the plane tickets and everything. Yeah, and I was I like, yeah. sick. It's like, you, if you can get someone like that little push in the mm. right direction, I think it could be really positive. And I sort of think sometimes like, it's weird when, like, we're all going to die, and when you die, what do you, what do you leave behind? And I'm like, well, if you can at least try to help a few people along the way, I don't know, like, I think that's a massive thing, mm. and just sort of leave, the only thing you really leave is memories or, like, a bit of a legacy of what you've done mm. sort of thing. So, I don't know, I just sort of think that way, that along the way, if you can help people and 
passed out and try to change that sort of thing, that's probably about all you can do. Mm. I don't know, I've died for some reason lately, I've been thinking weird stuff. <laughs> No, not, I think not, it, not about dying, but yeah. just like about. No, I yeah. think like that's the thing I always think about is like I want if when I pass away, like I want everyone to be super sad at my funeral. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm like I want like like hundreds of people that everyone said, but I I want that because I want to have like a positive impact in so many people's lives. Yeah, where it's like someone said these things like home is where um, the places where people notice when you're not there. Yeah, and I feel like I have homes everywhere because I feel like a lot of people miss when I'm not there. But it's like create, like be that that positive yeah. person that when you're not there, people miss you. Mm. I feel like that's how you should carry yourself through life. Yeah, you can go through just concentrating on yourself and doing your own thing. But I feel like if you can try to make an impact on other people, that's what's going to last. Mm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, I got a few questions that I always kind of finish on with. I say, what makes you happy? Like, what's the thing that makes you really happy? Talk about others, but we talk about ourselves. Yeah. Um, what makes me happy? When the Bombers win. Um, they didn't win last night, did they? Did no, they? they lost yesterday. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen the Lakers won, so that was okay. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was happy. Take, I was, take one. I was take conflicted one. yesterday. Yeah. Um, no, what is it? I don't, I don't know. Like a, a lot of things, I suppose. Just like the sun, sitting out in the sun, doing things with Luna, my dog, making people happy, being around happy people. Mm. I know it's being around mates, having a good time. Simple things. Just yeah. simple, yeah. I don't know. When you say that one thing, it's I can't pinpoint one exact thing that makes me happy. It's just yeah. A lot do you of do you meditate much? No, never. Have you ever thought about trying to do? Work? I've got a very active mind. Yeah. And like I just, I think I've tried a couple times. And as I say, don't think about anything. I just think about everything. Mm. Um, but no, I. I've only tried this a couple of times and I don't really... Is this something you'd want to try and get back more into or...? Oh, like, I'm open to the idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm open to it. I have, like, haven't really thought about it much more, to be honest. Sure. Yeah. It's like the uni thing. You like, have a couple of goes. Yeah. Like, nah, yeah not, nah. for me, not for me. Not for me. Just go to the pub. Have another yeah, thing. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Um, I, got, I got these ones. I was going to say, this one might be kind of obvious, but this was, I asked this with everyone. I was like, if you could go back and change something... I feel like yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe that would be obvious. The, 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 the yeah. side that is, if you could go back and like alter something, maybe like playing basketball instead of water polo or something like that. Yeah, no, again, I wouldn't change that. Um, I honestly don't really think. I, would, I always think about this, like, oh, would I change things? And I would if I could still know what I know now, mm. because I always think like, yeah, I wish. Obviously, I didn't to have my accident mm. but then I also love living on the Gold Coast and the people I've got to meet because of that so yeah. it's hard to completely want to wipe it out mm. um, like yeah obviously I would but um, but the yeah. thing is it's like have you heard the thing about like the Chinese farmer where it's like he doesn't it's not a good or a bad thing till it plays out like have you heard that where it's like no. something so that's a bit of a long winded thing but I'll do the quick version. So there's a Chinese farmer, he's got a son and they grow rad, uh, radishes and they've got a horse that like plows the, the field. Anyway, the horse is plowing the field and then one day it breaks off the, the plow and runs away and the kid goes back to his dad's like, we lost our horse, we lost our horse, we can't, we can't, we can't farm anymore, we can't make money, we're, we're going to die, like it's not going to yeah. work. Anyway, the dad just goes, oh, I can't really call it, I don't know what this is. And the kid's kind of like, I know what this is, it's fucked, like it's over. <laughs> Anyway, the next day, the kid's out there trying to farm still without the horse, and the horse runs back over the hill, and he's got another, like, ten horses with him, and they all run into the yard, and they shut the gate real quick, uh, and the yeah. kid goes back, and he's like, 
dad, we've got, we've got 10 horses now. We don't need to do radishes. We can, we're rich. We're making it now. We can sell horses. We're in the horse trading game. And the dad just goes, oh, I don't know what this is. I can't really call it. Anyway, the next day, the kid's trying to like break in the horses and he's on the back of a horse and he's like gets bucked off and he breaks his leg. Mm-hmm. And he gets pulled into the, the dad's house and he's bandaged up and the thing's shattered. Like he's, he's fucked. He's like, he can't do anything. He's like, well, no, you can't farm. You can't sell these horses they're wild like you're fully fucked and the the old man just goes oh I can't really call it anyway the next day these samurai come over the hill and they come in and they say hey we're like we need to we need to take your son we're going to fight fight in this war and the father goes well I'm too old and he's got a broken leg he can't he can't go like he would go if he could but he can't go Mm. so the samurai go into battle and they all die so it's like yeah you can't, yeah, really, you can't really call it so the no, thing no. is it's like okay you don't jump into that pool that day yeah the next day you might get hit by a car and die like, yeah it's like you exactly. don't That's... you don't know it's like the whole thing is like you can't really call it yeah so it's this whole thing i always say you don't know what if it's good or bad till it plays out yeah it plays out when you die so and up until the point it plays out like it could be the best or worst and it's so many so often that in the moment we think this is the worst thing in our life mm. and then Years later, it turns out, oh, that was the best thing that ever happened yeah, to me. But that could take a year, that could take six months, that could take a day, that could take 50 years. Like, it, it's yeah. all... It's like that butterfly effect. Exactly, that, yeah, yeah. same sort of thing, yeah. yeah. No, I would, that's, yeah, similar sort of thing. I always mm. think about that. But again, yeah, that if I hadn't had my accident, I wouldn't have moved to the Gold Coast, wouldn't have met all these amazing people with the disabilities, mm. wouldn't have got to make a difference to these people that... I have lately I probably would have just been working playing footy on the weekend doing mm. yeah same sort of thing so it's yeah it's the positives have come from the negative but yeah so it's hard to completely want to wipe it out exactly yeah, yeah. and then yeah. it could again, who knows in five years or whatever where it could go and exactly that's the thing is like having that open mind to mm. what if or what's going to happen is such a positive thing to move forward in life with. yeah it's just not trying not living in the past being angry about it but not trying to live too far in the future yeah. ahead of yourself just like yeah, yeah being present living in the yeah. moment yeah, yeah I got this thing I always say flirt with the future marry the present and have a one night stand with the past yeah that's a, that's a good actually yeah <laughs> yeah I was trying yeah. to use that but um there's the second last one what are you scared of oh what am I scared of stairs stairs <laughs> <laughs> um no, what am I scared of uh I don't have an obvious answer for you uh, big spiders. Big spiders. No, no, I don't know, honestly. Um, Someone doesn't sure. jump out. Yeah, nothing. Nothing jumps out at me. No, I'm yeah. sure there is stuff, but yeah, yeah. no, like obvious comes straight to mind sort of answer. No. True. So spiders yeah. and stairs. We'll see, we'll see spiders and stairs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, how do you want to be remembered? Oh yeah. Um, just someone that made people happy mm. um, and had a positive impact on people as just like a happy person I suppose mm. just like a just a good bloke yeah yeah. yeah I guess yeah. and then like obviously doing going through what you're doing I guess you're setting yourself up to to be that person hopefully yeah yeah. it's funny when I ask that question if some people they're like they're like I've never thought about it. yeah but it's like obviously that's how you carry yourself is how you're going to want to be remembered exactly yeah. yeah yeah and this last one so what I do is I normally ask the last guest what a question to ask the next guest. So after I ask this question, right. I'll get you to ask me one that I'll ask okay, the next yeah, one. Gotcha. But the person said, what, um, what is something in your life right now that you know that you're pretending not to know? 
that I know and I'm pretending yeah. not to know. Oh God, this is a hard question. Um, that I know and I'm pretending not to know. Shit. That's throw me. Um, I don't know. We related this because then I asked him, like I kind of dived into it with him because he was like saying he was in a relationship and it wasn't really going right. And he knew oh, that like right. it should be over, but he's pretending not to, not to, right. not to finish it. But I don't know if that's something, but yeah, I thought it was a, it is a tricky one to think That about. is a tricky one. I definitely have to think on that one. Mm. Then I know, I bet you you'll leave and I'll be like, Fuck, you've got, you've got, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, cause it is funny. There's so much, like so many things in life where you just, you're like, oh, like I shouldn't be doing this, but, or like, oh, like there's a better way, but you just kind of like block it. Yeah. Block, just block push it to the side. It yeah. yeah. Until it comes up and you can't anymore. Well, is there something that you know you should be doing more of or want to do more of that you kind of been putting to the side? I guess it might be a better way to look at it. Like, is there something that you're like, oh, I should really do this, but you're like, oh, I'm probably not going to. Um, Oh, I mean, I'm pretty good at procrastinating. No, <laughs> um, nah, I mean, I'm like, I'm doing little bits, like I'm doing work, work, and I'm doing a course at the moment. Mm. So I mean, I could always maybe be doing more of that. Mm. But I don't think maybe sometimes I. Oh no, it's not even that because I do do that. No, I, I don't think so. like I said at the moment. It probably, if you asked me a couple of months ago, maybe there there was. Yeah. I was probably just a little bit too, oh, just sort of stuck in the mud a little bit, wasn't being proactive with doing things and mm. I was just being a bit, probably just lazy. Mm. Um, but only recently, you, you caught me at a good time. Because, yeah. <laughs> You've been going. Only recently, yeah. I've yeah, made an active effort to try to be more.